This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. That is seen from the latest Marvel superhero film, The Black Panther. And in that clip, actors Chadwick Boseman, Daniel Kaluuya, and Danny Guerrera, Guerrera, excuse me, in what has been a, a phenomenally received film in the first couple of weeks that it has been in the theaters. The Black Panther closing in on $1 billion of box office receipts and its recent $242 million brought in during the four-day President's Day weekend was the second biggest total for a film on its second weekend in theaters ever only behind Star Wars The Force Awakens. But that success uh, but the success story that is this film is so much more than that. It is also showing a changing tide in Hollywood of support of African Americans and of women in the film industry. We're going to take a deeper dive into this right now with Americus Reed who's a marketing professor here at the Wharton School. He joins me in studio and also joining us is uh, Henry Boyd who's a clinical professor in the marketing department at the University of Maryland. Great seeing you, Americus. It's, it's great for to be here. Appreciate it. Thank you. Hank, great to have you with us today. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. I, I'll start with you, Hank. When you when you look at the success of this film, I, obviously I mentioned the financial side, but but this is a critical success for this film as well. I would call it a cultural zeitgeist. It's unbelievable in terms of the response in the African-American community and communities, both white, Latino, Asian, and down the line. It's really just heartwarming to say that there are these underserved audiences, especially the African-American community, and if you put a compelling story together, everyone comes on board and they really enjoy it. So I give lots of kudos to Disney Marvel Studios for excellent execution in terms of the casting, the writing. They just, the entire package is there. Yeah, I think Hank's right here. Hey, Hank, how's it going, my man? Oh, I'm doing very well. How are you doing, America? Not too bad. I haven't seen you in a long time, but uh, wish you the best. Uh, I think what's interesting here, Dan, is what Hank's talking about. We talk about segmentation, targeting, positioning, and messaging. Yeah. And, you know, just the fact that it's so well designed in terms of reaching out to a broad class of people and being different, quite honestly, a mm -hmm. kind of imagery we haven't seen before. So it really stands out, really has the potential to kind of connect with lots of different people, as Hank is saying. How much do you think it, it, it benefits from it being in this genre of the Marvel superhero films, which obviously have been very successful over, uh, over the last decade? I think it's a huge point. I think it's the timing is right for this. We're sort of in a, in a time right now where there's a need for empowerment of various kind of, un, as Hank was saying, underserved groups that are out there. So, you know, to have this kind of um, this kind of example, if you will, to be inspired by, to to affiliate with, to identify with is extremely powerful. And I, I know for me speaking, uh, you know, right now that I'm pretty sure about, you know, what I'm going to do on Halloween this year. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Hank, your thoughts. Well, I agree wholeheartedly with America. I brought my daughters to the movie. Now, she's very precocious, and I worried that, well, you bring a young one, and maybe she's going to get lost, and she'll think, oh, this, why did Dad bring me to this thing? But right away, the minute we got in, she's taking pictures with the poster. We get inside the movie house, and they put it up on the big screen, and she's just enthralled for the entire, like, two hours and 14 minutes. And what I liked as a father is to see that you have young African-American women in STEM fields, scientists, 
building yeah. from the vibranium and using it to your advantage as a nation. And so once again, I think it resonates with my daughters thinking, hey, look at all the things I can do. It's possible. Well, that is obviously a, a big theme in terms of this film, Hank, is the fact that not only are we talking about uh, strong characters of African-American descent, but we are talking about strong women as well. Here's a clip from the from the movie uh, hitting on that point exactly. My king. Stop it. Stop it. I've already sent a car ahead to Busan for you. Who are you taking with you to Korea? Okoye. And Nakia as well. You sure it's a good idea to take your ex on a mission? That uh, involving Chadwick Boseman and Letitia Wright uh, from mm -hmm. the film. Yeah. And look, I, I think, America, as we sit here today, we've obviously gone through a, a tumultuous time in Hollywood <laughs> yes. on a variety of different fronts. Interesting. And, and what's interesting is that there have been a wide range of movies over the years that have had incredible female characters in them. But to a degree, this even feels a little bit different because of kind yeah. of the timing, kind of what you were talking about before. That's an excellent point, Dan. I think that's absolutely correct. I think we're right now amidst this sort of whole rediscovery of, you know, how we should be reacting to the fairer sex, as it were. Yeah. Uh, and all of these things are coming out in terms of some of the things that were implicit uh, biases and, and perhaps really poor things that were happening in terms of, of how women are treated in the workplace and the Me Too mo movement, as you said. Uh, so I think it, it, that just sort of amplifies the power of a story that comes out that also has kind of elevation of these of these female characters. So, Hank, in your mind, do, does this film and, and others, which are like Wonder Woman, obviously, mm. uh, uh, in the last year or so, are, are these films potentially starting a seed change in Hollywood in your mind? I'd like to believe so, and Wonder Woman is a great example. Once again, another film I took my daughter Gigi to, and for the same purpose to say, you can lead, you can be in charge, you can call the shots, and yes, I think this is the right time. When we talk about diversity and inclusion, it was sort of a concept, it was something that was out there in the abstract, but now it's coming to fruition, where people are saying, Yes, I need to see it on the screen, and when we see it on the screen, we get these amazing responses, and you can make a ton of money. Mm -hmm. The fact that yeah. within, what, a 12-day window, we're talking about yanking down worldwide sales over $700 million. Unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Well, and then that goes to the branding, obviously, and, and as we said before, America's the brand of Marvel is obviously, it's, it's, it's a hit. Mm -hmm. Pretty much anything that is done <laughs> under the Marvel window yeah. is phenomenal, but, yeah. but again, this kind of, to a degree, changes the Marvel brand a little bit mm -hmm. because of the story that it tells and because of, of bringing all of these characters in in what is a different setting, totally. which also, by the way, sets up the next Avengers film Absolutely. coming up later this summer. Yeah, it's a cottage industry. It's a cash cow for these boys and girls. I, it, I think it's absolutely fantastic. Printing money. Print it, yeah. Roll up the ATM, as it were, Dan. You're <laughs> absolutely correct. Uh, the brand is powerful. I think you know creating this diversity amongst audiences is huge. Again, it's a segmentation argument. Very smart. But as Hank is saying, and is what you're also pointing to, Dan, it's like you still got to deliver a good movie. Uh, and at the yeah. end of the day, it's the power of the story. It's the fact that, you know, the collection of, of characters are so compelling. Even the bad guy, the villain, is very much a complex and, and interesting and intricate character. It's not black and white in terms of just being bad versus good. It's a very, very interesting backstory behind the villain. We can all relate to these stories yeah. and we can identify with that. And so when we step into that dark theater for two hours and 14 minutes, we can sort of really take ourselves into that world and like live vicariously through this. And that all of that power 
powerful emotionality really bleeds off into the, the Marvel brand, which is what they're trying to do. Hank? I agree, once again. It is something to behold when you have a movie, and the idea that we have these characters, they're all one-dimensional, that's sort of a formula in Hollywood. But the fact when we take the role of Killmonger, who is the bad guy in this, to understand what drives him, where is he coming from, mm -hmm. and you start to realize this really does resonate with audience saying, yes, we do have this troubled history with race and slavery, and all that's baked into the movie line. And so yeah. when you look at that, you sort of nod your head saying, okay, I know where this guy's coming from, and the subtle nuances that you're aware of as being part of the African-American community, they leap right off the screen. Also joining us now, Jesse Holland, uh, who uh, is a writer for the Associated Press, but he is also the author of the book The Black Panther, Who is the Black Panther, which is a novel that was going along with this uh, film. Jesse, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, and just your reaction to, first, the, the success that this film has had from a business perspective over, over the first two weeks uh, that it has been in theaters, but to some of the issues that we've been talking about, about bringing this type of a film forward and, and the impact that it can have on the culture of Hollywood. Well, one of the things that we know for sure that is that the incredible success of the Black Panther movie will forever end the myth that a black superhero action character written by a black writer, directed by a black director, starring a majority black cast, the myth that those won't sell outside the black community, the myth that they won't sell to mainstream America, that they won't sell internationally, that myth has been forever shattered. We should see more movies like this behind this success. In the past, it seemed like Hollywood was, would hesitate when, when to trust black writers, black directors, to anything outside of comedy or historical pieces. But now with the success of Black Panther, we should see more of these action films, more of these superhero tales, which are, frankly, our modern mythology. We should see more of these stories being told on the big screen and entrusted to black producers, black writers, black actors, because the Black Panther proves that they're wildly popular. Well, as a fan of the superhero genre, which you would admit freely and lovingly, um, <laughs> what was it like to be involved with this project in terms of, of doing the novel? I, I mean, I would think this, to a degree, had to be a phenomenal experience for you. I mean, exactly. I mean, well, think back two years ago, no one knew that the Black Panther was going to go crazy like it is now. Everyone, I mean, those of us who knew the movie was coming, we knew the potential, but no one knew that it would go crazy like it has. So it was just my original comic book nerd love that made me crazy about being part of this. I've been reading these comic books since I was a child, since five or six years old. So to just have a chance to be able to tell a story of my own with these characters which was, was just fabulous. I jumped for joy just for that. Now to see how the world is going crazy over this just makes me glad that I have even a small part of being part of this mythology. You also wrote a book about uh, one of the new realm of Star Wars characters, uh, about Finn. What's the difference in terms of, uh, of writing the, the book that you did for Black Panther in comparison to writing a book about that character out of another hugely successful franchise? Right. Well, you know, I... Star Wars was the actual first movie I ever saw in a movie theater. So I've been a Star Wars fan my entire life. But Finn is a new character. So his background was pretty open. And you, could, you could play around with him a little bit more than you could with Black Panther, a character that's been around since 1966. 
there's something to live up to with Black Panther because his characterization the, the, and the country of Wakanda have been around longer than I've been alive. So there's a very, very, uh, there's a very, very stringent uh, idea you have to stick with with the Panther because his character is so well developed from all of these years that he's been around. With Finn, I was able to play around with it a little bit more since he's a newer character, but I had a lot to live up to to make sure everything in Black Panther sounded the way it should. So when you do your research for this film, are you going back into volumes upon volumes of of old comic books, of Black Panther comic books? I mean, here's the crazy thing. When, When Marvel asked me to take on this project in 2016, they actually offered to send me some Black Panther comic books to, to use his research. And I politely declined because, you know, I already had all of them in my basement anyway. Being a longtime reader, most <laughs> of the comic books that they were offering to send me, I'm like, you know what? You're sending me copies of the originals. I have the originals in the basement. So I did use, uh, in my novel, you can see pieces of the 1966 origin that was written by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Yeah. And you'll see a lot of the rewrite of that origin that was done by Reginald Hudlin in 2005 i just took those two origins merged them together and updated it for 2017 2018 so that people who pick up the book right now do the origin of the black panther will read as if it's happening today and that's what they that's what they wanted and i was glad to do it we are uh, joined on the phone by jesse holland who is the author of the book the black panther who is the black panther which is uh, a novel that goes along with the uh, film that is out in theaters right now also joining me in studio america's reed wharton marketing professor and also on the phone with us uh, hank boyd who's a clinical professor in the marketing department at the university of maryland i want to play another clip from the film and and this is really uh an interesting piece of the film uh, jesse because it is really the two main characters chadwick boseman and michael b jordan two phenomenal actors and kind of the tension that they have within the film i lived my entire life waiting for this moment i trained i lied i killed just to get here i killed in america afghanistan iraq i took life from my own brothers and sisters right here on this continent and all this death just so I could kill you. Jesse, when you see that uh, that that scene and you're talking about two great actors and, and obviously two great African-American American actors having a standoff in a film like this, what does that mean to you? Well, I mean, the 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 core of the movie to me, I, I mean, and I will say I've already seen it three times going for number four this weekend. Uh, the core of this movie seems to me to be about the relationship between Africans and African-Americans and a story of the relationship of a family uh, and whether those two things are the same. Um, the Killmonger character, and by the way, I will always say that I'm, I'm already team Killmonger. The Killmonger character is speaking words that many African-Americans uh, sympathize with mm-hmm. because – he is talking about the relationship between uh, wealth and the relationship between those who, who don't have. Right. Wakanda, uh, Wakanda is the haves, and everyone else is the have-nots in the movie. And he's talking about the relationships between those two, those two points of view and the responsibility that one has to the other. 
And to me, that's one of the core concepts of the movie. And that's a discussion that's been going on for years between African-Americans and Africans. And this movie, it seems to be taking that relationship out and moving it to a different level where it can be talked about. Hank, what's your reaction to, to that type of a scene? I thought it was an amazing scene. It's like a classic Western. You know it's coming. It's going to be the standoff, good versus evil in some sense. But once again, because Killmonger's developed so well as a character, you know what drives his passions and why he's there at that moment. And I don't want to give away too much of the film, but there's sort of more than a bond there between these two. And when you go see it, you'll realize, like, wow, this really is fascinating. So it's the the notion of the outsider versus the insider. And, of course, I go back to Jesse's point, the notion that there is this nation that with this wealth, this power, that could change the world, and yet we've had brothers and sisters, African-Americans in the other parts of the world where it's been very difficult and the struggle is real. So what... What are we going to do here? Who's going to win? Who's going to take their vision forward? And it comes through in that scene. And, of course, it's one dealing with warrior meeting warrior in the form of mortal combat, which is something to behold. Now, I traveled myself, so I've gone to South Africa, and I remember part of the highlights of my trip, the very first time I went to the motherland. I got to engage in a contest against a Zulu warrior where you try to hit the guy on the head with your stick before he can hit you with his. And it was a tie. I had a knot on my head. But I remember that moment feeling very proud and feeling like, yes, I've made a connection back to my land and my people. And it was a wonderful moment. So that's a case where a tie was a win for you, right? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I wore that bump with pride. I said, check this out. I got this in South Africa. Your reaction? Yeah, I agree. It's It's the power of art imitating life. Yeah. And this idea that one of the ways to create the strongest emotional connection for creative entertainment is to really speak to identity and to speak to those issues that are inside of you that perhaps you ponder and you think about as you go through your life and who I am in this world. And so as Jesse and Hank are pointing out, you know, a really well sort of crafted and well-designed story that brings these issues to conscious awareness and does it in an incredibly entertaining way is going to have an incredibly powerful marketing impact. The, the other part, speaking of the marketing side of it, is the fact that this film, like all of the other Marvel films, is trying to make that that connection through companies with promotional items. We've already seen ads for Lexus, which involve Chadwick Boseman and and the other characters. So they are, this is just like every other Marvel film, this is going as mainstream as it possibly can. But obviously, again, because of the circumstances of the film, it's it's a new territory to really get into. Totally new territory. And I think that brands are smart. They understand that they want to try to wave, ride that wave of emotionality, and they're going to try to jump in where they see fit. Hank? I agree wholeheartedly. What's going on, there were just moments from a marketing standpoint, you sat there and said, wow, the clothing, the apparel they're wearing. It's just right for Nike to step in or Under Armour and say, hey, we can <laughs> oh, run with this. And yeah. Yeah. there's fashion here that statements that are made that are really going to just do very, very well with African-American communities that are out there. So then is there an expectation, I guess, obviously Lexus, we know that it is on board. You just mentioned some of the other potential marketing campaigns. When you're talking about a, a company potentially jumping on board, Hank, is it to a degree with a film, especially even in this superhero superhero genre, a little bit of a wait and, dis, wait and see to see how well it is received? And then, especially kind of in this realm where seemingly these, these films and these characters are getting three films themselves to be able to jump on board with films two and three. 
Well, it always does come down to timing. And obviously, if you have the ability, if you're really brailing the culture, as we say, that you're seeing the trends where they're going, hopefully you've already got product placement inside the movie and you can run with it. But if you've got to come a little late to the party, that's okay. But obviously, I think this is one of those, hey, you can't miss this one. We should definitely pursue this opportunity. And I think that it's going to, once again, bear fruit for those firms that get involved early and say, hey, we're going to make products, merchandise that relate back to the movie. And once again, if it's done in the right way, we should bring up a lot at the cash register. Yeah, this is not a get rich slow argument. This no. is a, yeah. this is an <laughs> argument that this wave is blowing up right now. You know, you got to ride it. I think to Hank's point, though, that you, there is some consideration that, that companies should have to have in the sense of trying to create a reasonable connection between their brands and kind of what the, the imagery, the power, the warrior, all of these sort of aspects and associations that are really amplified in the film yeah. can relate to their actual brand. So it has to be some sort of connection where there can be an optimization of authenticity, I think. Jesse, I'd love to get your thoughts on that as well. Yeah, exactly. I, 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 can, I can say that as, as a small piece of the promotional uh, part of the movie, that my novel actually has been out there in the public since uh, uh, November of last year. But in the last two weeks, it's sold out internationally. So you can't even find a copy of it. So even Marvel underestimated the, the the craze for this movie. They're really happy for it. But anything, you can walk into any bookstore now, and you can barely find anything with the Black Panther name on it. Like I said, my book is gone everywhere. And the, and the paperback isn't even scheduled to come out until April. So, I mean, this everyone knew this movie was going to be a success. I don't think anyone knew it would be the wild international success that it is right now. Otherwise, you'd have seen many more places with Black Panther advertising. You'd have seen many more companies that had jumped on it in advance, the way the companies line up for Star Wars now. You would have seen companies line up that way for Black Panther. But I guarantee you when they do the next Black Panther movie, you'll see – out of the box, a lot of more companies ready to jump on immediately, even before the movie comes out. And I guarantee you there'll be books, there'll be new comic books. Marvel is actually starting its Black Panther, renumbering its Black Panther comic books back over to number one with ta Coates writing a new number one Black Panther. So Marvel knew what it had, but I don't think anyone knew that it would be as, as crazy as it is right now with people willing to buy anything with Black Panther's name on it. So, in part, Jesse just kind of uh, gave us some of the ideas, but when you think, America's about Marvel and Disney and things that, obviously, as I said, these are normally three film sequences for these types right. of characters, America's, how do they keep building off of this? Because they've got an unbelievable yeah. positive image from this film moving forward where yeah. they can do so many things at this point. Yeah, I think you have, I think that's absolutely true, Dan. You have to be a little bit careful. Uh, probably what happens these days is that they already have the three films in the, in the, in the can in terms of the story. Uh, so that's a good thing, and so you don't really risk, you know, kind of the jumping the shark moment where, okay. <laughs> you know, right. you where right. things are, are kind of going awry. But I think you have to be a little bit careful. Uh, and for those companies that are smart enough to to really do the right analysis to say that hey, there's an opportunity for us to really present ourselves in a way that is synchronous yeah. with the ideas of the film, they're going to have the, the sort of the most success. Hank, I agree with that. You have to be very careful in terms of the placement. It has to make sense. It has to fit into the storyline. It can't feel forced. Audiences are much more keenly aware of, okay, hey, that's obvious, the product placement. You want to make something just 
folds right in the storyline. It's embedded beautifully. And then, of course, people go out and start buying product, and it feels right. Jesse, what is your timeline in terms of of projects? Are you going to stay linked to the Black Panther uh, trilogy moving forward? I can tell you that anything they want me to do that I'm more than willing to do. Uh, I, I always have several things in the fire, and I actually do have a Black Panther proposal sitting in front of Marvel right now. So, of course, with the, the wild success that the Panther's having, everyone wants to be connected to it. So if, if anything that Marvel needs and wants, I'm always available there and waiting, and waiting for it. But even with other characters, like I said, I think this opens the door to other characters of color being presented on screen in the superhero world. So I think there's there's so many places we can explore, not just with Black Panther, but with Luke Cage, with, with Black Lightning from D.C. There are yeah. so many of these stories that can be told, and I think Black Panther opens the door for these stories to get out there. I, obviously, I mentioned, Jesse, the fact that, that this film, timing-wise, fits into the sequencing because you'll have the other Avengers film coming out uh, later this summer. But I would think that that not only does this film build off, or I should say, set things up for the Avengers film, but that Avengers film will set things up for the next Black Panther film as well. Right. Well, that that is the one I have with the Black Panther sequel and sequence, is that usually with sequels, you don't see that character again until the sequel's made. But with the Marvel Cinematic Universe and all of these characters being and all of these characters and movies being linked, we'll see the Panther again later this summer in Avengers of Infinity War. Will that dampen some of the enthusiasm for the next standalone Black Panther movie? Probably not. But it does take a little bit away from the character and the move the next movie sequence and that we'll see him again and he'll be such a major part of the Avengers franchise that by the time they get around to the next Panther movie, we may have already seen the character twice before he gets his yeah. own movie the second time. Does that dampen the enthusiasm? I don't think so, but it's something for Disney to think about. Jesse, we wish you all the best with uh, your future projects, and uh, and I'm, I'm guessing you'll see the film a couple more times in the next couple of weeks as well, so have fun with that. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Uh, Hank, thank you very much for your time and your insight today. Thank you for having me, and I have to say, Wakanda forever. There you go. <laughs> Americus, is always great seeing you. Thanks it's, for coming in. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Jesse Holland uh, joining us, uh, the author of the book, The Black Panther, Who is the Black Panther? Hank Boyd of the University of Maryland and our friend Americus Reed from right here at the Wharton School. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.